Welcome to The Founder's Mind. This is your host, Adam Mutchler. On this episode, you'll hear from Kara Golden, the founder and CEO of Hint. Be sure to listen throughout the episode and learn why Kara started her beverage company over 10 years ago, how she's grown it, and what's driving her towards other products like sunscreen. I'll give you a hint. It's personal. Well, let's 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 zoom into Hint for a second. It started out as a water beverage company and in recent history is you've moved into sunscreen. Yeah. Right? Like so even within your brand yeah. and your your business, there's an evolution of seemingly divergent um, products. Yeah. So I mean, you're absolutely right. So I, I started this company a little over 13 years ago to get myself to drink water. Um, I grew up in Arizona where I like should have been a water drinker. I aspired to be a water drinker. I liked people who drank water, but I just wasn't one of those. I mm-hmm. just like always drank diet soda. And I didn't really think that there was all that much wrong with me drinking diet soda. But what I did see was that, um, you know, the diet soda always got me to crave like other things. So I'd always like want a piece of candy or a piece stick of gum or like I I just constantly be nibbling. Um and and now I look back on sort of and a lot of the research around diet sweeteners has shown this too that it just causes people to actually get hungrier. But what I found was that I ultimately came to this conclusion that diet soda probably wasn't so great for me when I had developed terrible adult acne. Mm. Um, and I never even had adult acne when I was a teenager, but I got this adult acne. And then I found that I was like, it had gained a bunch of weight over the years. It wasn't like all at once, but it was just over the course of a bunch of years, I just continued to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And then I also had really low energy. And, you know, there were lots of, you know, people who were helping me sort of blame lots of different things on why this was occurring, everything from, you know, having a bunch of babies too close to one another to, you know, working and being on planes all the time and, you know, all these different issues. And then finally, I just decided, like, I should just really clean up my diet. And it was relatively easy for me to do that with the food because I never felt like I was like eating that much, you know, junk. I wasn't like eating 12 cupcakes a day or, you know, three bags of Cheetos every day. I mean, that just wasn't sort of part of my diet. But what I found was like the consistent thing that I had literally the most frequency with every single day was diet soda. And so I was drinking Hmm. like eight to 12 diet sodas a day. And And you were keeping them in business. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a lot. I'm considered, I think Coca-Cola executives call me a heavy user, which um, (laughs) that's fine. Right. Like it's like, um, but I wasn't the only one that was drinking that. When you talk to people who drink tons of diet soda, I mean, that's, that's how, you know, they, they sort of describe it that they, but no one ever thinks because there's this word diet that they actually think that they're doing the wrong thing. Right. It's sort of a, it's a, um, it's an excuse. It's a label that is actually telling people that it's fine. Right. Somewhere along the way we've changed, you know, when you're learning vocabulary words and the word diet is kind of like a negative thing. And somewhere along the way, we sort of shift our mindset to actually believe that it's 
a positive thing that it's actually like we buy food that is diet, right? Because we yeah. think that it will keep us healthy. Um, you know, and, and anyway, not, not sort of dramatically shift things in any way. So, so but that you can do me. a lot I mean, of magic. I, you can do a lot of magic with branding and, and labels. <laughs> yeah. And, and the brain, I mean, I, I like, you know, wish I had billions of dollars to sort of help me understand like why the brain, like where's the crossover where we can, you know, really pinpoint when people start to believe that diet is like good for them, that, you know, vitamins are good for them, that, you know, it's not, it's, it's not a negative, but it turns into sort of a positive if they embrace those things that are marketed to them that are called, you know, these words in some way. So anyway, so that was, that was sort of me. I, I had sort of fallen into this trap. And then finally, one day I just decided because I didn't really understand the ingredients, not, you know, not just the diet thing, but also the ingredients. There were over 30 ingredients in the diet soda that I was drinking. And so I decided, eh, I'm just going to like put it to the side and drink plain water. And when I did that, I uh, was really bored with plain water. I, I was like, as I said, I always aspired to drink plain water. I would line up eight glasses of water <laughs> on the counter and not go to bed at night until I had like had all eight glasses of those of the water. That must have been really relaxing. Yeah. Like I just thought like, why is it such a chore for me to like want to drink water? And so finally I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in water and, you know, really like seeing that, that it like, just by doing that, I like, it was an, it was a pleasant experience and I actually was on board. And then, um, so I did that. And then two and a half weeks after just changing that in my diet. And again, like I wasn't like, there wasn't that much from a, my diet standpoint to change, but it was like this diet soda thing, which yeah. I just thought like, eh, I don't know. It's like, we'll see what happens. So I changed and then I lost over 20 pounds in two and a half weeks. And then in six months, I lost uh, over 50 pounds. I mean, it was crazy. Like it was like the weight was just kind of dropping off and, and then I really started to dig into like why this was and, and That's wild, then I, I yeah. Mean, and so not dramatic. only the weight issue, yeah, it was really dramatic, not only the weight issue, but also, you know, my skin had changed significantly and my, um, just my energy levels were way up. And I just thought like, you know, what happens when people like go to doctors and they say like, you have whatever you have, you're overweight or you're, you know, what ends up happening to probably more people where they hear you're obese or you're, you know, you've got cholesterol issues or like you've got type 2 diabetes or high blood pressure or whatever. You sort of like hear that and you're kind of like, la, 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 la. Like, I don't really want to hear that kind of stuff. Like I've heard this from friends where it's like, you know, you don't, you don't really want to own it. You kind of yeah. get scared for a minute and then you just think like, oh, okay, well, I don't know, maybe I'll just like not really pay attention or I'll try and do something about it. Or, you know, even better, maybe I'll actually get something that's, that's going to be a pharmaceutical drug that's going to help me to actually, you know, get better. Like we're not willing to put the work into actually figuring out, is there something that I'm doing in my everyday life that could actually, you know, change um, the outcome? And so 
what I, mean, I dis- saw was the distinction in the word change and challenge is is pretty slight, you know, and I think yeah. that's where people struggle, right? It's change is challenging. Yeah. And so what I saw was that just by changing like what I was drinking every day, I saw really great results. And even though I had been to a doctor prior trying to figure out like, why am I getting this acne? Why am I, you know, feeling really sluggish? Like, why do I have all this extra weight on me that I can't get off? Like all of these, I asked and it was like, I was, you know, all these doctors were more than willing to sort of give me some sort of, you know, drug to change these things. But then I thought, you know, what it really is, is me just paying attention more and actually making some simple changes. And, you know, and again, like, you know, diet, losing this much weight off of diet soda might not be what happens for everybody. But for me, I was actually seeing like this crazy dramatic shift. And I thought if I could actually launch a product, like get everybody access to water with like raspberries or lemon or whatever it is in it, whatever, you know, makes them happy and gets Mm -hmm. them to drink water and gets them to sort of experience what I've experienced, we might not even be talking about a national healthcare system, or we might not (laughs) even be talking about a choice of, you know, going on like, uh, you know, medication for acne or not acne. And, you know, it's like simple things like that, that, you know, I really realized just by, by, by getting myself to enjoy water again, could actually really, really change the outcome. So that's what I really viewed, you know, what we were doing with, with Hint as, not as starting a beverage company. The beverage company was the tool to get healthier for me. And mm-hmm. it was and it was actually allowing me to sort of share, you know, that mission with lots of other people. And then a couple of years ago, I was, you know, just running a company, a growing company. Things are going super well. I've got this dry spot on my nose and I find out that I have skin cancer on my nose. Yeah. And really sucks. And, you know, I like finally went back to my doctor and got the skin cancer removed. And, you know, she asked me the question, like, how much like sunscreen are you wearing on your face? And, you know, I'm wearing foundation, which, you know, a lot of women wear, but makeup during the day. And I said, it's always got SPF in it. And, and you know, I didn't want to wear other foundation or other sunscreen underneath my foundation because I was like, it messes up the color of the foundation. And finally she said, well, that's obviously like not working out really well. And so you should really get serious about wearing sunscreen. And, you know, the reality is, is like growing up in Arizona, I probably did a lot of damage a lot earlier sure. on in my life that I can't do anything about now. So finally, after the this foundation. happens, yeah, and I'm healing and I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear sunscreen now. I go to my local CVS and I see the sea of sunscreens and I decide, okay, like I'm going to wear it, but which one? And I look at chemical-based sunscreens versus mineral-based sunscreens. And what I learned is that, you know, mineral-based sunscreens for me made me itch. I didn't really like the color that it like left on my skin. Oftentimes it made things sort of bluish. And and then the chemical-based sunscreens, I started to question like, okay, everybody thinks chemical-based sunscreens are really bad, but it's not that they're chemical-based sunscreens. It's that there's certain chemicals that are 
not that great. I mean, if you look at the word chemical, it's kind of like the word diet in maybe a different way where people think, oh, chemicals, bad. And it's like, water's the chemical. Like, there's lots of chemicals that are actually pretty good, right? And so we mm-hmm. just have to start, sort of like, you know, tame our brain a little bit to, to kind of focus on like what is what is good and what's not really good. I started to dig into um, the ingredient list and I found after doing some research that I knew about parabens, um, but that those were not so great to have on your skin. But um, oxybenzone is an ingredient in over 90% of, of sunscreens and I just decided after reading some research um, that I didn't really want oxybenzone in my sunscreen, oxybenzone, um, the research that I found was that it was approved by the FDA in 1976, even though the Center for Disease Control <laughs> said that it might not be so good for you and that it may actually exasperate precancer cells living under the skin. And I'm like, well, that's bad. And who knows if they have skin cancer until it's like those cells under your skin have actually come forward. And so I, you know, started to look at, could I actually develop a sunscreen without oxybenzone? And um, so I, you know, went back to my kitchen where I developed Kint and decided to start to develop the sunscreen. I had no idea what I was doing, just like I didn't have any idea what I was doing with the water. And, um, and then found out from a friend who used to work at L'Oreal that I needed to get uh, the um, FDA approval for the product. So I applied for that and that took a little longer because uh, the FDA actually called and said that um, they were surprised that uh, when I, when they asked for what is the product scented with, I said real fruit. And, uh, and so they had to put it through additional shelf life testing. Most sunscreens use fragrances. And so crazy learning. When you started Hint, what, what gave you the impression? What was the driving force to say, I think I can make a dent here. Maybe I can make more than a dent. I mean, what was that thing that said, yeah, I'm going to be a, the new kid on the block against Pepsi, Coca-Cola. I'm sure Powerade and Gatorade are sort of on, were on the radar. I don't know if, I, I think they've rolled up into other companies now, but you know, 13 years ago. Yeah, I didn't really think about it that way. Like I really, I was really thinking about it for myself and Uh thinking like, I wish I had a product like this in the market. And then people would actually see me drinking it, you know, my home version of Hint. And then they started to be interested and start to ask me questions about it. And so I thought like, oh, wow, you know, people actually want to give me like time to discuss what I've developed. I'm not asking them for time. They're wanting to research and, you know, search out more information on sort of what I'm talking about, about most of the waters that were out there were sweetened with something. I'm talking about like the vitamin waters and the flavored waters that were out there. And so people Mm -hmm. were like, huh, I never really thought about that those things had lots of sugar and sweeteners in it. And so, you know, once I actually decided to develop the product, I thought, okay, I'm going to get it in uh, to the store. And, you know, I sort of didn't even think about it as like, I'm going to go sell it. And then once I sell it, I'm going to go raise money. I was fortunate to be able to sort of do a small batch of this product and relatively cheaply, Mm -hmm. you know, go and actually get it in the market and see if people wanted it. But 
pretty quickly, I realized that, um, you know, we sold 10 cases that we had dropped off at our local Whole Foods. I had gotten a guy that was stocking the shelves to give me a little bit of space because he was <laughs> pretty interested in the fact that, you know, the product vitamin water that they had been stocking had sort of tricked him into believing that it was healthier than it was. And so I really like, you know, saw within 24 hours that we had sold 10 cases. And you have to understand, like, I didn't even tell people I was doing this company. Like I, I'd been a tech executive and everybody kept asking me, Oh, like, you know, there's this great job at Google and you should go and talk to them about it. And I was kind of like, Oh, okay. I mean, I was just not for whatever reason, I can't really explain it. I wasn't super interested in kind of doing another tech job. Not to say that I wouldn't go back into tech. It's just like, I had a great run in tech and I just thought, yeah. oh, I don't know. This is kind of what interests me right now. So and was so was, he just, really was it a side hustle or was it set? Was it? Yeah. Was yeah, it I mean, separate? It was like, were you working at a tech company hustle. at the time or? No. So I had left AOL. I had left actually after I had had my third child mm-hmm. and um, well, technically actually my second child. And then I got pregnant really fast. And so I ended up, being in sort of transition because they, um, I, I went out shortly after that on maternity leave and then they were selling, uh, they were basically AOL was, was being sold to Time Warner and sort of, it was sure. a crazy, crazy time. And so it was part of this whole transition team. So I was sort of working on that. And then I just decided, you know what, it's kind of a good time for me to step like, away disconnect and, and step away. I mean, I had been managing yeah. a team and then getting back into managing a team. So I was sort of going through my own transition, trying mm-hmm. to figure out what I wanted to do next. It wasn't negative. It was just kind of like, okay, what am I going to do next? But just to answer to your original question about like, you know, what did I see? I think I saw initially was just that, you know, the customer was really buying into it. I mean, I was able to like, develop it relatively cheaply and then see that customers wanted it too. And when I sold 10 cases, I knew that it wasn't my friends that were being nice to me and going out and buying it Uh because they didn't even know that I developed it. And instead, like, I just thought, like I'd been selling a service for so long, AOL, Mm -hmm. and now I like have a physical product. And I thought, no way. I like got it into my favorite grocery store and, you know, people are actually buying it. Like, that's crazy, right? Like it was just a game to me. And then suddenly I saw like, wow, people are like really liking it. And that's yeah. pretty cool. So well, I, so I really, what, what I'm hearing and, and I'm, there's a parallel for me in this podcast actually, is that when you pursue something from a, for, you know, at a, at a very sort of deep level where there's an interest, you're passionate about it, you care deeply about it. And you just say, I'm going to do this thing and I'm just going to see how it evolves um, and you really care about it and you really put that, you know, to your point, you, you've written a lot of articles, like, you know, passion, perseverance, persistence, patience, you know, the three or four P's that you had out there on one of your articles. One of the things that I'm always curious about, you know, and I'm sure there are a lot of lessons that have come up, but is there something that really stands out that you've learned in the journey with Hint um, that that sticks with you as you move forward with future products or, or future sort of, uh, projects within the organization, a lesson that you've picked up? I think, you know, I would say that you can gain information um, 
from almost anyone and anything. And so you just sort of have to be very, very aware of lots of different things around you. So I, I would say that, you know, I probably see myself gaining the most, um, you know, learnings from outside of my industry, um, Mm -hmm. which is like really counter to what, uh, many entrepreneurs who I talk to in all different industries, they're always sort of thinking and talking about, you know, their competition. And while I'm very aware of like, you know, the competitive landscape, it's not sort of how I, you know, think about how this company will grow. Like I, I really am a big believer that you have to like the best entrepreneurs sort of like look at, you know, I, I look at, into other industries that are doing stuff that I think is interesting, whether it's, you know, the beauty industry or, um, you know, now that I'm in the sunscreen industry, I look closer at that. But I also look at things like, you know, companies like Warby Parker or, um, or you know, tennis shoe companies or, you know, things that are totally not what people think that beverage companies are looking at because I look at models and I look mm-hmm. at how did they stand out. And I look at, you know, like I, I look at things like pop-ups, for example, which is sort of like the hot topic. I mean, people are like, wow, like a beverage company having a pop-up. I mean, <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Like sample water. And I'm like, yeah, but yes. we're actually going to, right. We're going to do a lot of other things too. And, you know, we're going to sell our product too, but, we're just going to create an experience and it's just like, it's more of a place where people can learn more about us as like why we did this and sort of a place for us to be able to write kind of more information than maybe you can do on a, like a shelf talker inside of a grocery store. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the thinking and has anyone else done that in the beverage industry? No. I mean, we're like one of the first people to, to really do that kind of stuff. And, and then obviously, like, you know, we're pretty big on social media, too. So it's an opportunity for us to do fun things where if you come into our, it's not a pop-up, it actually looks like a pop-up, but it's a permanent structure or store. You can come in and you can swing on the swing and you'll, like, you can take a picture or you can post it on Instagram or other social media. And so yeah. I feel like there's, um, you know... There's no one way to do things, I guess is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. I think that the biggest lesson that I've learned is, you know, be open to sort of looking outside and and really trying to find uniqueness in different models and, you know, with different... I mean, I look at other founders and, you know, I like listening to them. I like hearing them on podcasts. I like, you know, I read a lot, like that that sort of stuff you know, really helps me to kind of, you know, spend time thinking about, you know, different ways of doing things. Because I think at the end of the day that if you're not able to stand out in a consumer's mind, Mm -hmm. um, then it's really, really difficult to actually get traction. And I feel like it's just, you almost become just a, um, you know, another spoke in the wheel versus actually being a totally unique structure um, that just does things differently. And so I think that the more you can focus as a, you know, founder on finding not only your uniqueness, but your company's uniqueness, 
that 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 will really help you to stand out. And you you seem to be proving it, you know, with 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 what you're working on and, and what you're what you're creating. I think that's a really great segue. Also, talking about listening to other founders, um, who's a founder that you admire? And why? And we won't hold you to saying this is the only founder you admire, but just a founder that comes to mind. Oh, I have so many. I mean, I, if you walk into my office, you'll see. I mean, you know, a lot of people use them now, but Steve Jobs has always been somebody that, you know, for me, just like really kind of um, weathered the storm in so many ways. And, you know, I, I sort of, uh, I never worked with him. Um, I worked for one of my companies long, long time ago that I worked for was an idea of his, um, mm. that was a CD-ROM product that was basically like pushed out of Apple, um, <laughs> because they decided not to work on it. Not that Steve didn't want to work on it or think it was a good idea, but because it just, you know, was going to take a while to incubate the, some people inside of Apple that ultimately ended up, uh, pushing it out or, taking it on outside of Apple. But um, I would say that, you know, him for just his vision and his, um, you know, ability to actually stay focused and put stakes in the ground around a brand and, you know, be willing to also, uh, you know, really keep going towards that um, towards that goal versus actually wavering. I mean, the number of people that I've seen who have launched brands in lots of different categories and read about them who have, you know, started off one way and then as they've taken money from, you know, different places or brought in, you know, new leadership or however you want to look at it, they've done things that maybe they didn't really want to do but other people wanted to do who for some reason had control over what they wanted to do. I mean, that, that just is usually a bad idea, right? Like, it's like, you've got to figure out like who you are as a brand. I mean, we know that, you know, hints as far as beverages are concerned, we're about unsweetened flavored water, Mm -hmm. right? That doesn't mean that we can't go into carbonation. It doesn't, which we have, it doesn't mean that we can't go into caffeination, which we have, um, but we don't sweeten any of our products. That's our promise to the consumer. And then as we go into different categories, I mean, you know, we don't have ingredients like oxybenzone. We don't have ingredients like parabens. It's like, you know, we put stakes in the ground around those ingredients and we're not going to sit there and trick the consumer into thinking that we're, you know, that we're an oxybenzone free company, for example, and then we go stick it in our like lip balms. Like yeah. people do that, you know, a, a lot. And it's just not who we are going to be. We're looking to develop a relationship with the customer and become a trusted brand. And so I think that that's where like I see Steve, like was somebody that, you know, really said like, we're, we want to make products better. We want yeah. people like, we want to think ahead of what people feel like they need. So I would say he's probably, you know, somebody that, you know, I really, um, you know, I, I really think was, um, was, uh, you know, a true unique, um, you know, founder in, in his, in his own right. Um, 
you know, and I, I would, I would have to say, you know, to other people, um, you know, sadly one who was no longer here, but it, as well, but you know, Andy and Kate Spade. I mean, I mm. think that those guys in particular, um, you know, I remember meeting with Andy ages ago and, uh, talking to him about hints and he has an ad agency in, in New York. And I was lucky enough to see the brand book, um, behind Kate Spade. And wow. I remember when, um, when Kate first started, she actually went to Arizona state where I had gone as well. And, and, uh, she was a few years older than me, but, um, but I, I can't say I really knew her, but, um, I had met Andy a few times before and know his brother, Dave. And anyway, it was interesting because he really believed that, you know, it all started with the black bag as far as Kate was concerned, but mm-hmm. he thought it was going to be so difficult to, um, for those of you who don't know, like the Kate Spade product, it, like it all started with a black handbag and that's all they had for like a couple of years. And then they branched out to different colors and doing other things. But he basically said, like, I can't control my destiny. And this is what his brand book said. I can't control my destiny if I basically uh, rely on the Bloomingdale's and the Macy's of the world to basically say, you know, you've got to take, you're going to only have this much space. And so he decided very early on to actually build a store mm-hmm. that was really like, really spoke to you know, this is what the promise is of, of Kate. And this is like the whimsical nature and sort of the fun colors and, you know, things that, you know, the fun fashion of kind of like a 50s-ish kind of, you know, stuff that she really like embodied. I mean, that was really what he really wanted people to know about the brand. And so it was a very bold move. It was, um, I would say it was one of the first brands outside of major department stores that I certainly remember that kind of made, you know, that shift. And and frankly, when Apple decided to build their stores, it was the first thing that I thought of when I heard that Apple was going to build stores. I thought like, wow, this is super crazy. And then I thought about, you know, what, how, what, Andy had done. And I thought, I don't know. It's like, it's not that crazy. I mean, it's like they're relying on the best buys and the, you know, circuit cities of the world to actually, you know, show what they really, what, what's the meaning and what's the why behind the product. And if they've got to pay millions of dollars to do that, they've constantly got to be fighting to figure out like how it's being merchandised. Why don't they just buy their own, you know, set up their own stores to do that. So I think from the standpoint of doing things differently, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the spades really did that as well. And very admirable. I love that. And it, you know, I find things that things that people label is crazy, mostly because it makes them uncomfortable. Only time will tell if it's a good idea. Obviously Kate Spade, you know, has had a ton of success and <laughs> Apple's the most valuable brand in the world for market cap. So we can say yeah. that, uh, you know, we can say that they've made some pretty good decisions over the years um, with obviously with the foundation of Steve Jobs and, and uh, since then with, uh, with Tim Cook. I have a soft spot for Apple because I worked there for seven years uh, in retail. And um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I, just listening to you talk to Steve Jobs, you know, I, I have a very biased and uh, agreeable 
opinion of him with with your with your view. Um, yeah, Kara, this was I really appreciate you having making yeah, the time totally. and ha- having on the founder's mind. Uh, I wish we could talk for hours, but we can't. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. It was super, super fun. And I appreciate you reaching out and, uh, and definitely, you know, keep us posted on when this is posting. I will. And, uh, what's, it should be obvious. You Google Kara Golden, you, people will find you karagolden.com. I'm assuming at Kara Golden everywhere. You write a lot on LinkedIn. Is there anywhere specific that you like people to look you up or follow or? You know, I'm on Twitter, Kara Golden. It's K-A-R-A-G-O-L-D-I-N. Um, and that's on all of my social media handles. And I write a lot, like you said, on LinkedIn. And um, and so yeah, I, I I'm uh, I'm trying to be as accessible as possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Founder's Mind. Check back later this week as Kara and I dive into a tangent episode. To make sure you don't miss any awesome wisdom from guests and stay up to date on the most recent episodes of the show, be sure to visit thefoundersmind.com. You can also follow along on social at The Founders Mind. And last but not least, thank you to Roy Matz for the music on this show and his dope editing skills that make The Founders Mind possible. Until next time, take care. In the world, going through all of this insanity and try to bring new ideas, make them a reality. Illuminate in the thoughts, make it a priority to implement what you learn, what you get is what you be. In a world full of noise, hard to find that clarity to try to lead subtly, never full of vanity and try to change something small or try to change humanity. Power forward through the dark, founder's mind is what you see. Founders mind is what you see.